0: the sermon series that we are processing through in City is called Growth on Purpose. And the reason why we've been utilizing this sermon series is that in almost all areas of our life where we really need to grow, you have to do so on purpose. If you just ignore the areas of your life where you need to grow, you won't grow. As a matter of fact, if you are like I am, you actually begin to digress. Things go backwards. It reminds me of my lawn. We paid almost zero attention to our lawn this year. And the good stuff never really seems to grow. The bad stuff does. But in line with that growth on purpose, we've talked a lot about first15.org. This is a website where you can intentionally and purposefully grow spiritually. Because every single day on your inbox or through the app, you will receive an email or something will pop up on your app that will give you a daily devotional. I want to encourage you to get this if you have not already, because spiritually we need to grow on purpose. Another thing that we are talking about here at City is something that we call Growth Track. Growth Track is a 3-week process whereby you can understand more about who City is, you can understand how God has made you so that you can serve at your fullest. Not only that, but through Growth Track you will meet other people here at City. It meets 3 weeks in a row beginning on the first week of the month and it meets at 9:15 here. We have food available for you, but it gives you the opportunity to grow on purpose. As you may or may not know, if you've been here for any amount of time, though, the simple statement that drives City Church is the following, follow Jesus and serve others. When you follow Jesus, your life gets transformed. When you serve others, communities get transformed. That's God's divine intent and design. I remember reading through the Gospels and I became very aware of these two things, that God calls us to follow Jesus and to serve others, those two things. So what we're going to talk about this morning is growth on purpose, serve others. But to help us do that, we have a member of our City Church family who's been serving. So please check out this video. Thank you. that was the sermon (laughs) we can all leave and go home serving Jesus Said this, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? And here's what Jesus says about himself, but I am among you as one who serves. And we say this often here at City. You cannot separate the teachings of Jesus from the person of Jesus. It doesn't work. You can do that with Socrates. You can do that with Plato. You can do that with Aristotle. You can separate how they lived from what they taught. But you cannot do that with Jesus. How we follow Jesus is to take a look at his teachings and then also look at him as a person. So what we're going to do together now is we are going to read from John chapter 13. We're gonna read a little bit more scripture than we normally do. John 13 verse one. It's going to be up on the big screens for you. So I want to encourage you that you would read along silently to yourself as I read out loud. Here's what John 13:1 tells us. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but you will later, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet but my hands and my head as well. In other words, Peter wanted a free shower. <laughs> Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And what. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What a powerful story. And in looking at this story, what we quickly realize is that Jesus begins to not only teach, as he had done earlier, about the greatness of serving, in his kingdom, but he begins to model it as well. As we look at what Jesus does, there is something as I looked at this story on serving that struck my heart, and it was this. Here's what we just read. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. What do those verses actually show us? shows us this, that everything Jesus had worked for, everything that his life was about, everything that he had been striving for was now right there in front of him. But the Bible puts it this way. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. In other words, Jesus had so much momentum going on in and through his life. Everything that Jesus had worked for and moved towards was now happening. It's amazing. In our culture, you could view it this way. You could view it as you're part of a team at work And that team has been strategizing investing money, investing time, investing creativity, and you guys have been working together on a project, and all of a sudden that team comes together in synergy and alignment hits, and everything's moving in the right direction, and you strike the deal that you've been trying to get, and as that all comes back, that's the moment that's this moment where you're rejoicing, you're together with people you love, and you know, and you work with, and you're excited That's this moment. Jesus is at a Passover meal with the people that he dearly and deeply loves. There he is celebrating that ancient feast in Judaism where they are celebrating together the deliverance of the Israelite people from slavery and bondage in Egypt. It's the Passover meal. And then it says this. My goodness, everything is in alignment everything's going the way God and Jesus had intended and planned that it would. It would be like if you're part of a band and your band plays and the crowd cheers for an encore. That's that moment. It's when the athlete steps up on the podium and receives their prize. It's when the athlete does the victory lap or a NASCAR driver does a victory lap. That's not a sport, by the way, my opinion. (laughs) It's like when the high school student who has been applying to their dream school and the whole family has been sacrificing, the student has been studying, and the parents hunker down with the siblings over the computer screen, and they open that email, and the university says, you're accepted. It's just like that. It was like last week. When we watch politicians, and it doesn't matter which side you vote for, especially in this context, but you can't help but look at the politician as she steps out on stage and she has been elected and all of the people around her that have been working with her and for her and her family joins her up on stage and everyone's cheering and everything that they have worked for has come together and she stands up there and kind of lifts her hands and people are cheering for her. That's this moment. My prayer for all of us is that you would live in one of those moments, they're awesome. I was on an ice hockey team when I was a young boy that had this moment. I played for Nina Squirt B ice hockey. And we won the Wisconsin State Championship. I know you're impressed. And I can just remember getting that trophy, and we were state champs, Squirt B state champs. I had no clue there was a Squirt A team that would have pummeled us. All I knew is that I was Squirt B state champ. I was there, I know what that felt like. Man, what an amazing experience. Well, there's Jesus, He's with the many loves. Celebrating this ancient Jewish holiday about God setting people free from slavery and everything is going as it is planned. And what does Jesus do? He does this. In that moment, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. It's the complete opposite of what you would picture. He had this moment where all the momentum of heaven was with him. Here's what he does. He gets up and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now you would notice in the story where the apostle Peter, who is my namesake, when Jesus approaches Peter, what does Peter say? No way, man. You're not gonna wash my feet. And trust me, it was not because Peter had funky feet. That's not why. It's because he was in the moment with Jesus. God was there. Everything that they were working for was moving forward. The team was at its best, apparently, minus one of them. Isn't there always one? We'll get to him in a moment. But there Peter is. And Jesus goes to one disciple the next disciple, the next one. I picture it, he's nine disciples deep and he comes to Peter and he's bowing and kneeling in front of Peter like a slave and he goes to wash Peter's feet and Peter's thinking this is totally upside down. It shouldn't be this way. And Jesus takes Peter's feet and begins to wash them and in that moment, Peter goes no way you're not gonna wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me at all. And Peter goes, well, why not a shower then? It's an amazing, amazing picture. Here's what's amazing though, is when they entered into that upper room to do that Passover meal, when they rented that house, in the corner, was a basin just like this. And in that basin was a pitcher and everyone had seen it when they walked in. But you see, they hadn't paid for a servant to come with the room and everyone knew that someone out of sheer hospitality should go over and wash everyone's feet, but no one did it. And so the meal's already begun And Jesus gets up from the meal. Look, they're there eating. They're commemorating God's deliverance. They're commemorating what God has done. They're eating this ancient meal. Everything's going. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets up. And he grabs a basin and a pitcher. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Trust me, Peter speaks for all of us. If Jesus came to your feet, you'd have said the same thing. But while he's washing your feet, you're thinking, man, I wish I would have done what he's doing. Because there's something about when Jesus does something, it elevates it. So, the Bible tells us that Jesus goes to all the disciples. I picture it, that right after Peter, he comes to Judas. Can you imagine that? You see in verse 2 of John 13 we already know that Judas has a strategy about how he's going to make money and sell Jesus to some of the religious leaders. His strategy's already set. Can you imagine what it's like when Jesus comes to Judas and he kneels down in front of him and he begins to wash his feet? Well, you know what's fascinating in this story As I've prayed about this story and I've thought about this story and I've thought, what does this really mean? What does it mean for you and for me as we think about serving? How can I get a hold of this and make it really practical in my life? And as I was there praying and thinking, this thought hit me. When we follow Jesus and serve others, We do not only serve those who love and appreciate us in return. You see, when we serve, when we follow Jesus and we serve others, we don't just serve those people who cheer for us and appreciate what we're doing. No, we serve because we follow Jesus. That's why we serve. And I think that's why Judas Iscariot is shown as looming large in this foot-washing episode. Even though the dialogue isn't there, it's mentioned. Can you imagine what it was like when Jesus came to Judas? Here's why he's there. It's because when we follow Jesus and serve others, we don't only serve those who love and appreciate us in return. Now, when Jesus is completed with that, what he does is he turns to his disciples and he says the following. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He goes on to say, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In other words Jesus is finishing up Peter's had that awkward moment God only knows what's going on in Judas Iscariot's heart but as Jesus gets up he puts his clothing back on and he sits down actually he would have been reclining on a pillow as Jesus reclines on a pillow with his disciples Here's what he says You call me Lord and teacher. You call me rabbi. You view me as your leader. And he says this, you just watched watched me wash your feet. I want you to do the same. You know what's stunning? What's stunning is, is that when we think about foot washing and what it is, you never again in the entire Newer Testament, ever see anyone wash anyone's feet? Isn't that's shocking. Jesus is there at that Last Supper meal, and the Gospel of John uploads to us in the middle of that meal. Jesus gets up and he washes his disciples' feet, and he says, "Hey, listen, I want you guys to do as I have just showed you." Actually, foot washing shows up one time in First Timothy chapter five, where the qualifications. For the first century church on which widows to take in and really invest in, all it says is one little line among those widows that they wash disciples' feet. That's it. Nowhere in the gospel, nowhere in the book of Acts, nowhere else in the Newer Testament do you ever see anyone wash feet. So now I have a question. How many of you sitting here have ever washed someone's feet? Now, qualify this. This does not mean that you put your child in the tub and you scrub their feet. How many of you have ever been part of a foot washing? Raise your hand. How many of you have never been part of a foot washing? Raise your hand really high. You horrible disciples. (laughs) How rebellious you are. You've never followed through with what Jesus said. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. But here's what I know, is that maybe, just maybe, Jesus meant something else. So the question is, what is foot washing? Exactly what is it? Picture, Jesus is with his disciples. They're there reclining on those pillows as you would in the Middle East. And as they're reclining on those pillows... Jesus goes over to the corner, he picks up the wash basin, and he comes down and he gets in front of each disciple. And they're reclining. And he picks up their feet and he sticks them in the basin. And the Bible says he pours water over each one of their feet. And as he does, he washes their feet. And that's something. What Jesus is doing now is literally becoming a servant. He's in the room, on his knees, in front of those people. And Peter is the only one that has the guts to say anything about it. Jesus, this picture is totally wrong. You're our leader. What are you doing down there? Jesus, what's wrong with you? Jesus, everything was going so well until you just had to go and do this. Man, as a teen, Jesus, we're just clicking. We won't worry about Judas. He's weird anyway. But the rest of us, man, we're all in. Jesus, get up. What's wrong with you? But then there's this echo in the back of your mind where Jesus has been saying things like this. I did not come into this world but to be served but to serve. Where Jesus says the greatest among you is the servant You see, in God's kingdom, the economy of the kingdom is totally upside down. Jesus gets up, the Bible says, and he puts the basin away. But I observed a foot washing yesterday. It was part of a wedding where this neat couple who in their own self-admission said they never thought that they would find someone. Both of them 38 years old, met on a Christian dating site. I think the Holy Spirit uses those, I guess he does. (laughs) And they met. And so yesterday, there was a foot washing where Drew washed Felicia's feet. And then she washed his feet. And there we were in this field next to a community center with the Blue Ridge Mountains in the background and they've chosen to start off their wedding. They chose to start off their marriage by serving one another. It was powerful. But you know, as a pastor, I can't help thinking as I'm officiating this wedding, I'm wondering what people think who don't know anything about the gospel story. I'm wondering what people think who are there who aren't followers of Jesus, who know almost nothing about the Bible. My goodness, what must they be thinking? As she knelt in her gown, he knelt in his suit, and they washed each other's feet. You know, ultimately, Jesus took on the role of a slave. You see the word that's used in the original language at the end of Luke 13, or I'm sorry, John 13, where just at the end, Jesus says, go be a servant. The word that he uses is doulos. The word doulos really means slave or bondservant. The other Greek word that you might be familiar with that's translated servant is the word that we translate as deacon. This is the slave version Jesus looks at his disciples and says, listen, what I'm asking of you, I am asking you that you would bend your will to God and that instead of looking at self-promotion, if you're going to follow me, I want you to view yourself as the bondservant to God, as a slave to God. and That's why Jesus turns to his disciples. And says, I want you to wash each other's feet. But here's what's stunning about this. As we, no pun intended, talk about putting feet to our faith, we do this every week. How I'm gonna put feet to my faith, listen carefully, and I've said it earlier, foot washing never shows up in the Newer Testament again. We never see a disciple ever washing anyone's feet. Do you wanna know why? That action does not allow me to tick a box. You see, what people would do is say, well, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a basin and an urn and I'm going to run around and I'm going to grab one person a day and I'm going to dump water over their feet and tick the box. Much like English Garland was talking about. You see, Jesus was not talking about being a loss, being a slave in the sense of just do this. You see, it's pretty apparent that the disciples may have never done that again. But what they did understand was that in order to put feet to your faith, this is an issue of the heart. Because when they walked in to that incredible meal, when they walked in to celebrate Passover, they were there only for themselves. They arrived there at that meal to eat and to fill themselves, but it was Jesus who looked around the room and said, how can I serve? Jesus did. He got up. He put feet to his faith, and he served. What I know is, we live in a world where servants are not highly regarded, but in the kingdom of God they are. Here's what I love about this. Jesus does not care whether I'm the lead pastor of City Church. Jesus does not care if I'm a corporate executive. Jesus does not care if I'm a stay-at-home mom. Jesus does not care what I do for a living, what occupies my day. Jesus looks at all of us and says, you are called to be a servant. Now here's the upside of that, there ought to be a huge sigh of relief. You know why? Because when you walk in the door of a house of worship, everyone's equal. You don't have to come here and be someone. You don't have to come here at city and live with all that pressure of performance, performance, week in, week out, being someone, holding up this facade that you know in your heart of hearts is fake anyway. You have the opportunity to come in, say, Jesus, how can I serve, how can I serve? One of the reasons why we have Growth Track and we're asking everyone to consider going through Growth Track not only will it help you grow on purpose but it will also help you discover how has God uni- uniquely made you so that when you think about serving and you think about how God has gifted you you can serve in a way that best advances God's kingdom and uses your gifts I know some of you when you saw English's video You thought, wow, she's a little too happy. Well, you got to know English. But you know, there's something that happens in the life of someone who follows Jesus and serves others when you're following him and he's speaking to your heart and the Holy Spirit is teaching you things about yourself and about who Christ is and as you're following Jesus and then you discover what your gifts are and how God has made you. And again, that's one of the primary purposes of Growth Track. And then you process through that and you find the place where your gifts are actually used for the kingdom of God. It's amazing. Not only that, but learning how God has made you is awesome for outside as well. But we are called to be a servant. What I can tell you is, what a relief that is, where we can gather together and humble ourselves in God's presence and say, God, how can you use me? Well, what the Gospel of John doesn't tell us, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke does. And that is that the same meal that we get communion from is the one where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So the Gospel of Matthew concludes the story for us, and I want you to listen. Matthew picks up and never mentions the foot washing, but here's what would have happened next. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, or I'm sorry, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Then the gospel of Matthew in chapter 26 tells us this, that when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, what you may not have ever been aware of is that in those famous passages where we get communion from or the Lord's Supper from, it was in that actual meal where Jesus washed his disciples' feet And so we take out of that last supper, we take out of that meal, not only communion, but the call to be a servant, to live our lives differently, and to follow Jesus, and to serve others. What we're going to do next is we're going to take communion together. If you have not been served, and you would like to be served, I'm gonna ask that you would raise your hand now, signifying that you would like the communion emblems to be given to you. So if you have not been served, please raise your hand. We have ushers that'll be here to serve you. Again, if you have not been served, please keep your hand raised. We've got some more people down front here that need to be served. Right down here on my right. Let's stand together. we hold the cup and the bread I'd like us to take just a moment to close our eyes in God's presence as we stand into his presence I would like you to be open to the voice of the spirit how is it at home maybe in your dorm Maybe on the job that God would be calling you to serve. Even greater, do we have a servant's heart? Are we open to following Jesus and truly serving others? It by no means has to be here at City at all. But you feel as though God's calling you to serve. Or maybe discovering what your gifts are and how you could best serve. Because as we take communion, we have to remember that part of that meal was Jesus' call for us to follow Him and to serve others. Well, the Bible tells us that after supper, Jesus took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Can we hold the bread up before the Lord? Dear God, thank you. Thank you so much for this bread that symbolizes your broken body. That Jesus, you gave up your body for us so that we could be free. Let's partake together. The Bible goes on to say that in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And after he had blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink it, all of you. Let's give thanks. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you did not come to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. As we hold this cup, we do so with the recognition that you have served us to the very giving of your life and for the shedding of your blood. Jesus, that thank you, this cup symbolizes the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of who we are before our heavenly Father. So Jesus, thank you for serving us. Let's drink together. Jesus, thank you again for who you are. And in this moment, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that we would be a group of men and women that have servant hearts.